0: Welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. Australia claimed a convincing innings victory and sealed the Ashes series as England were bundled out for an embarrassing 68 early on day three in Melbourne. Starting the day on four for 31, Joe Root and Ben Stokes' positive start lasted only five overs as Mitchell Stark bowled a beauty to clean bowl Stokes. From there, it was the Scott Boland show as he took the next four wickets to decimate England. Boland finished with the remarkable figures of 6 for 7 from his four overs and took out the Johnny Muller medal as the player of the match on debut. Louis Cameron spoke to Ricky Ponting as the dust settled on the Melbourne Test, proudly brought to you by HCL, the official digital technology partner
1: of Cricket Australia. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on day three, the final day of this test. Um, it wrapped up way quicker than any of us thought it would. Can you just try and describe, um, I guess, your view of the chaos out there?
0: Well, I had it wrapping up about an hour after lunch, so I was a couple of hours out, actually. But um, no, look, I, I, I must admit, I didn't see it happening like that that quickly. Uh, it's been a challenging wicket right through the game, um, absolutely. I think. It just goes to show a bit of a golf in you know the English English batting techniques and probably how good our our bowls are um, you know and you look you dig a bit deeper into some of the, the facts and figures behind the English batting the last couple of years it's i mean it's absolutely staggering how bad they've they've been so you know without Joe Root being there and holding up his end for the last twelve months, things around that seem to be vastly different but um, rap for Scotty Boland, rap for Marcus Harris coming out of this test, also really happy for Mitchell Stark. I think he's he's developed a new skill and you know not only relying on swing. Um, so a lot of positives for the Aussies and, and not really much. You know, England fought hard yesterday with the ball, did a pretty good job, but you know, to come out and be able to bat like that is is pretty disappointing.
1: Let's pick up what you were saying there about Mitchell Stark. I heard him on radio this morning talking about he saw that Jimmy Anderson didn't swing the ball at all during this test and he said, well, if he can't swing it, I won't be able to swing it. Was he kind of gripping the ball a little bit differently? And, and yeah, I mean, what does that kind of show to, to grow a new part of his game?
0: Yeah, he was. We we did a lot of in the, in the coverage today about his, his grip and not sort of have it not being looking to bowl the traditional in-swing to right-handers that he did bowls, he had the seam angled a bit more towards the slips and was bowling almost a bit more like an off-cutter type delivery, which was the one that got Crawley and even the one to Milan get back and the one that beat root on his hat-trick ball was a bit the same. So oh that's close they like an Australia confirmation. It's two in two Mitchell starts on a hat-trick. He also may mention tonight that he's he's had Hazelwood and Cummins to learn it off because they're both of them are not great swingers of the ball either, but they've all both developed that wobble seam, scrambled seam type delivery. So he he said yes Anderson. He would have learned, learned from Anderson with a lack of swing, but to have those guys to learn from as well is, is gold, and that's what the best teams do. You know, they learn they learn from each other and teach each other and coach each other, and um, it's great to see. Even he's in a you know the sort of latter part of his career, Mitchell Stark, that he's developing new tricks. Is he playing the series at this point? Leading wicket taker, he? he'd have to be close. Yeah, yeah, 13 13 wickets, I think he's got, um, and putting last week into. Thought as well the fact that those other two weren't there and he had to lead the attack. Um, I think he's grown a lot and come a long way in this in this series so far, which is which is great for him. So uh, is he, he? He probably he might be. Yeah, I mean it's been a hard. There've been three hard wickets to bat on. Um, you know, and Manus has done a reasonable job without making runs here. So yeah, he probably is Steady right now. What made Scott Bowling such a handful this morning? Oh, it's just the conditions. The perfect conditions for him to bowl. On. You know, he, horses for courses selection anyway. He, he knows these conditions well, but he, he's. You know, probably got more seam because of the way he bowls, and his, even his trajectory and the length that he bowls, it was just perfectly suited for him. So, um, and got his tail up last night. Those two wickets last night would have helped and overflowed with some confidence into today, and ran in and do, did what he does and got the rewards. To Mark Wood, he's a fighter.
1: Australia left out Dry Richardson after taking five for in, in Adelaide. They left him out here. Could they leave out Scotty Boland in Sydney after taking five wickets in Melbourne? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't
0: even really want to say this, but that could conceivably be the last test that he plays. It's staggering to think. He's almost 33, he's just taken six for seven. to come back. Jai's probably ahead of him in the pecking order. <laughs> Who knows? But look, it's, where do they go? You know, even the, even with Hoff, um, you know, if there's any worry at all, um, which one do they pick then out of Richardson and Boland, that's going to be the big big selection point, I think.
1: Yeah, what would you do at this early point or is it too early Oh to look, say? I think,
0: I, if Hoff's not available, I think you pretty much have to go back to Jai just because in the actual pecking order of things, he was selected before Boland for Adelaide and I think that's the fair thing to do um, and Jai got it wasn't like Jai bowled badly in Adelaide either but he got five in the second inning so on, on pecking order I think it probably deserves to be to be Jai but
1: it'd be harsh on Scott if that was the case. Uh, yeah it would be. Uh, the other part I wanted to ask you about was Mitch Swepson if he's ever going to play a test in Australia it's probably going to be in Sydney. Well Nathan Lyons fit of course. It's probably going to be in Sydney. Is there any, you know Cam Green's bowling's coming along, is there any um, potential talk of two spinners do you think?
0: I don't think they need to. No, I I mean, let's wait and see what the wicket is. But with what we've seen, I don't think they're going to dish up a real flat one in Sydney just because of how bad England's batting's been in in seeming conditions. So, if you're talking about trying to put the keep the foot on the throat, then I, if you know, and if we have any influence over the way wickets are prepared at all, then I'd be saying leave a little bit more on it up there as well. And if they do that, then the chances of two spinners playing are pretty minimal. but, uh, yeah, it, it'd be a nice story to, to get two spinners and give
1: Seppson a game in Australia, but it might not be the right time now. Just before we move on to England, um, just want to just the bowl and spell and, and just the, the MCG and the atmosphere and stuff, like, have you kind of seen the ground, think, taking into account last night as well, have you seen a, a better atmosphere at the MCG than that?
0: Look, you probably have, and because we've probably all played in front of much bigger crowds, so you know, when it's really full, when it's 80 or 90,000, then, then it, I mean, like, what we so with 40,000 yesterday was pretty special, but when you double that capacity-wise, and you know some of the one-day finals and things that we played here and even Boxing Days over the years, Ashes Boxing Day or a South Africa Test on Boxing Day, they tend to get pretty loud and, and vocal then. So l- last night was special, no doubt about it, and today it was special. I actually liked what happened post-game as well, with you know Scott winning the Man of the Match and Victorian crowd behind him there. There was as, probably as much noise after the game as there was during the game. So no, it's for. Victoria, that had been starved of live sport and that sort of environment, and atmosphere, it was—it was. You know, I was down on the ground at the when the last wicket was taken, and just to feel all that again is something that most of us
1: haven't experienced for a while. So it was pretty—it was pretty cool. It wasn't so cool for England, who were bowled out for 68. Um, let's go back to the start of play. Did you have a little word to Joe Root out in the middle?
0: Uh, well, yeah, we're just chatting about the wicket really, and um, how difficult it's been for batting and um, what their approach—or what he thought their approach needed to be this morning compared to the way they started their first innings batting. Um, and they I think they tried to do it, to be honest. They tried to be a bit more aggressive the way that Stokes started and even the way that, that Joe started driving the ball down the ground early. You can see there was a little bit of a change in intent from them, which I i actually thought they needed. Because if you're going to sit back and just try and defend and wait on, rain bowls on the Australian bowlers on that wicket, they're just going to get you out anyway. So. Um, yeah, but there was no more. I wasn't saying much. I was sitting back and listening to most of it, but um, just interested to hear what he th- his thoughts were going to be. If you're in his shoes now, what would you do? Yeah, I, I don't know, actually. I mean, it's a performance like that. When a performance is that bad, it's no good talking about it. You just, you know, I'm sure they've done a lot of talking in this series anyway, and it seems like the more talking they're doing, the worse they're getting. Um, but it's just so obvious that they they just haven't got the quality with with their, on the batting side of things. I mean, their bowlers have been okay at different times, and it and you know Milan and Root have had a couple of good partnerships at different times in the series and been able to draw them back into ga- drag them back into games. But she's outside of that, um, and you look at the numbers, and you would have seen it today. I mean, extras is the third highest leading run scorer for them in the last 12 months. I mean, that is just staggering. 400 runs of, of extras. This it's incredible. So. And, I, and I've, you know, I've been fearful of it for a while. Some of the top English top-order batters that I've seen in the last couple of years, um, and without giving names, but there's some techniques there that I just know are not going to stand up at Test level. And you put challenging conditions and world-class bowlers up against substandard techniques, then you get what happened
1: today. So is it a systemic thing when you're talking about? I'm presuming when you're talking about England top-order batters, you're not just talking about this tour, right? Like it's, it's something that we've seen the last few times they've come out here, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was just talking to Michael Vaughan then, actually, and he's talking about their whole system in in the UK. He's talking about their coaching in the UK. He's talking about the conditions that county cricketers are playing in, but just how bad some of the wickets have been. He was telling me about a game Essex and Northampton, that a four-day game that should have been over on the first day. If they had have taken the extra half an hour on the first day, day one, the whole game would have been over. Two teams bowled out twice in a day. Um, and we've been through this in, in Australia. Like you wind the clock back two or three years ago, when we'd had our struggles in England, we changed conditions, we changed the ball, we changed everything because we were poor in those conditions. Now, England might have to look at how they can make their conditions in England more suitable to ours. Uh, they play well in England still, but they don't play well when they come here. So maybe it's maybe they play more with a kookaburra ball. Maybe they flatten the wickets out a little bit so there's not quite as much swing and seam. So the batters are actually making big scores and batting for long periods of time. It might be. The exact flip that we had to have three or four years ago.
1: Just thinking, I mean, is it counterintuitive though? Like, if they're playing in games that are finishing on early on day two, shouldn't they be quite used to seeming swinging, swing conditions? Yeah, but it's it's different bounce. It's bounce
0: as well, isn't it? That's the thing. It's it's and you know, this little swing dibbly dobblers that are getting them out over there. They're not facing that at test level. They're facing guys that can actually bowl. Look, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I, I, what I've seen with their batting, they're just simply not. Not good enough, and you've only got to look at their numbers. You know, their numbers, even you know, Beastro comes back in, averages 30. Butler's in there, has been in there for a long time, averages 30. You know, Ber- uh, Burns' Careers 30 odd. How many players in other teams around the world are averaging 30 in Test cricket and playing consistently? None. You look at New Zealand's team. You know, most of their batters are high 40s and scraping on 50, and that's what you need to be. Able- a good cricket team.
1: So for the last two tests for them, is it almost like back to the draw? I know you said after that last test that they need to, you know, pick their best six batters, their best week keeper, four bowlers. Do they need to look at younger guys? Do they need to look at guys who are playing in the BBL at the moment? What's the solution?
0: Well, I'm not sure what's left here. I mean, if I mean, so much has been talked about their selections and everything, and the bowling selections were critical of in Brisbane and Adelaide and even here. Um, but their Lions squad that was here, I'm talking to Beefy, they had a couple of openers, Alex Lees in particular, one that was here when the Lions squad, that I think had been sent back home. Um, mm. The troubles for me looked like it was at the top of the order. Why wouldn't you have kept as many openers out here as possible and give yourself some options to choose from? So, oh, look, I'm not sure what, they, what they're what they going to do. Well, now, I even thought coming into this game that, I know Crawley's open for England in the past, but Milan was just about their best batter. Why not push him up to open and, and make the job for the guy coming in at maybe at number three a little bit easier? So... But they've, you know, they've done what they've done. You know, there's got to be huge pressure on Silverwood now, and even more pressure on on Joe Root, even though he's held up his end pretty well. But when you're, things aren't going well for you as captain, it makes your own game a little bit more difficult as well.
1: And it's an interesting one with Silverwood as well. He was handed kind of the, all the responsibility of being the main only selector and, and the coach as well. D- does that work? We'd well, have to say no so
0: far, wouldn't you? From what we've seen. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, the responsibility is going to sit with somebody. Probably doesn't matter who it is, um, but it just seems that everything's been confused, you know. Um, and we can mine it back to the start at Brisbane with Anderson and Broad. Neither of those being in that team, um, they were planning for next week. Well, guess what? After you lose in Brisbane, it's too late. And then when they got to Adelaide, they left Wood out planning for this week. Well, you're, now you're two 0 down. And you go into Melbourne, and you've got a wicket that suit of the seamers better than any. So they're, all their planning, they had no idea they're going to come to Melbourne and see a wicket like that. So the planning has been wrong. And I don't care what he says about it. he would. Silver last week said he would, would have picked the same team for Adelaide again. Well, if that's what they think, they're they're not being honest with
1: each other. Can you see it, uh, and you see it going any other way than a whitewash at this point.
0: No, no. If the if the Aussies are hungry, and that's what they. Um, want to achieve out of the series and listening to Pat at the end of the game then he's talking about ashes history you know whatever happens here is in carved in stone forever you can't change it and if he wants to be captain of a, a whitewash team in the ashes they've got the best opportunity that I've probably seen in a long term well I've never I don't think I've I'm, I'm not going to say it, but I don't think I've seen a worse performed team um, in Australia than what I've seen from this team over the last three games what what were you what did you stop yourself from saying that <laughs> I don't think I've seen a worse England team in Australia um, but if you ever think about it, have you? No. No, not. T- I mean, the thing about English teams have always come to Australia. There's all, I've always felt there's been some quality, even Whining when I first started. You know, Atherton, Hussain, Thorpe, Stewart, all, they were all good, good players. Now, the records were to high 30s, low 40s, whatever, but they just never got it done out here. But they were all technically looked like they could play. And some of the guys I'm looking
1: at here just technically don't look like they can stand up um, to good, good quality bowling. Final one on this, because I know we have harped on it, but um, I'm really interested to hear what you've got to say about it. You work with a lot of these English guys in the IPL um, over there with, with Delhi. Is the white ball success, Does that has that come at, uh, at a cost of test cricket or is that a bit of an easy trope?
0: Every team in the world's playing the same amount of white ball cricket. So, I mean, that was pointed at Australia, wasn't it, a couple of years ago as well, because of the lack of young batting talent that we were bringing on. And look, I think there's a certain degree of that. Um, because all youngsters now are you know, playing more white ball stuff, or sorry, limited over stuff than they are probably long form cricket, so yeah, um, but India probably play more than that than anyone and they're producing better test batters than anyone else, I mean, Kayle always has got another 100 in South Africa um, and he's cut his teeth as a white ball player, you know, he's one of the best T20 players in the world, so we can't we can't just blame that, It's it's got to be more to it, I don't know if it's coaching, I don't know if it's academy setups that they've got in the UK and... I'm not sure, but it, for a few years now, you know, a lot of their debutants that they brought in have averaged, I think, 20, haven't they? And then they're back out again. So something's wrong somewhere.
1: Let's see. Let's hope we see a better contest in uh, in Sydney, Rick. And let's hope so. <sighs> Thank you, mate. Thanks, mate.